it was Friday morning and, and uh, I actually was messaging Matthew because he shared some things I needed to do physically and, and working out and he suggested so I, I just messaged him I said man I I did that this morning I feel a lot better and so he messaged back he said so that's what I did in the morning I went golfing and then I did a little workout and I felt better so I was sharing that with Matthew Matthew shared back oh yeah well I was with 50 60 kids praying for a young man at school and so I felt really low on Friday so I went golfing it's very selfish but Matthew was out being able to talk to kids about prayer. Matter of fact, before we uh, even dive into prayer, the, the, the young man they were praying for, Jackson, uh, I love the pictures that sent. You can look on Facebook. I think Matthew, look at his page. He's got a picture of all the kids that were gathered to pray on behalf of one of the students, their, their fellow students. Jackson is a familiar name to us because we've been praying for him. He's continuing in his battle of, uh, with cancer. And they've received a, a text this morning, please be praying for Jackson. Uh, he needs something with his lungs right now. I don't know the details, but we're going we're gonna, to, before we, uh, I preach, uh, we're going to lift up Jackson together. So let's all bow our heads. Father in heaven, we, we don't know any place better than to, to go when we have a burdened heart, but to come before you with that and to lift it up before you. So together, Lord, this morning on behalf of Jackson, we're praying for this young man. We're praying for his family. We're praying for his lungs. And we don't know exactly all the details, the terminology that's being used, but we know that uh, he's been in, in, in kind of a crisis mode here the past couple of weeks with a stroke he experienced and some other things. So, Lord, we pray, Lord, for this young man. Uh, Lord, it'd be our desire that, that something miraculous took place. That's in your hands. And so we make up our request, this is what we desire, this is what we hope for, and we lay it in your hands. And we put our trust in you and our confidence in you, as we always do. Now, Father, this morning, we have the opportunity to open the scriptures. And, and Lord, you've been working and preparing me for this this morning. And I pray, Father, also for the hearts that are present this morning, to be attentive to your word. And just in the same case, we, we come and... And we don't know exactly what you could do but, or, or what you plan to do or, or what work you will do. But, Lord, we're praying that you affect our hearts. That, Father, the Spirit speaking to us. Your word is going to speak to us and prepare us for what we're about to hear. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, some new faces this morning. Just, just to say throughout the summer months, uh, we've been going through characters we went through the book of Ruth, and, and I enjoyed Ruth. Uh, when we started, you know, we figured we'd be hitting several characters, not just it was going to be Ruth and then several others. It ended up being Ruth and Naomi and Boaz and Obed, all in the book of Ruth. And we spent some time talking about how God uses ordinary people, and that was good for us to hear. Uh, afterwards, we, we dove into talking about Balaam. Are you familiar with Balaam? Balaam is, is a prophet of God. And, and he was not, not pro-Israel. Matter of fact, the, the way he approached Israel was not as the people of God. Yeah, I think he had a respect for God, knew he was powerful and things like that. But he was willing to, you know, with, with the right amount of money to go and, and, and actually attempt to curse Israel. Couldn't do it. 
Couldn't do. We'll talk a little bit about that later. But so, so we've been going through the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 22, 23, 24, and also chapter 25. 25 was, was a place where you didn't even hear Balaam mentioned, but we knew he was involved in what took place in 25. Balaam, again, was this prophet of God, and he was a threat to Israel. Now, the way of Balaam, I, I don't want to leave Balaam because uh, we, we dealt with him in the Old Testament, but he's also talked about in the New Testament. Matter of fact, uh, in, in 2 Peter chapter 2, also Jude verse 11, there's this expression of the way of Balaam. There, there's some people who've been caught up in the way of Balaam, the teaching of Balaam. Uh, I know that specifically Jude and, and, and 2 Peter were talking about false teachers. But the passage I want to go to where Balaam is mentioned is in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation in chapter 2 is actually Pergamum. Jesus is addressing the church in Pergamum, and he refers to this teaching of Balaam. Uh, the passage we're looking at is Revelation chapter 2, 12 through 17. And so let's, let me read that, and, and then we'll dive in. Verse 12. To the angel of the church in Pergamum, write, These are the words of him who has the sharp, double-edged sword. These are Jesus' words. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Yet, rem yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they, are, uh, so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. The message to the seven churches, you know, the idea of Pergamum, the, the, the Christians in Pergamum receiving a letter specifically from Jesus. Let me ask you, would you like that? What if Jesus were to address a letter to this church and, and just lay it out for us saying, hey, here's what you're doing well. Here's where you need to do some repenting. I, I, I don't hear anybody saying, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> Actually, Jesus has. I, I really believe that these were written down so that you and I could open the scriptures and read them as we had this morning and allow Jesus to do some examining over us. You know, no one, no one wants to be examined, and, and, but, but it is to our improvement. And who best would we want to listen to than Jesus, right? Who, who best? We could, we could actually probably glean something from all these letters. But I think Pergamum, especially since we've been talking about Balaam, has something that we need to pay clear, close attention to. 
So, so therefore, this morning, uh, as we look at this letter, there is a message that says, hey, there's some of you in, in the midst who are listening to the teachings of Balaam. And so I, I want to pay attention to that. And, and I think there are some, some things that, that we need to hear. And so first of all, this morning, I actually want to pick up where we left off last week. One of the things that was said last week is, is that back door. Balaam is a backdoor teacher. We have to watch our back door. Uh, therefore, you know, if, if you're new, let me go in, a, in kind of a review of where we went through the past couple of weeks. In that Numbers text, uh, Balaam shows up in, in the passage, uh, and we learn a couple things from Numbers chapter 22, 23, and 24. What, here, let me simplify it. One thing we learn uh, within that passage is, is armies or foreign armies could not take out Israel. They could, not, they could not stand against Israel, God's people. The foreign armies could not stand against Israel. We learned that the Amorites could not stand against Israel. And also, part of Balaam's uh, story comes in and, and, and also we find out that, that uh, Balaam could not curse, lay a curse against Israel. So these people could not be attacked, could not be overcome through attack, and they could not be cursed. That's what we learned, the two things we learned about Balaam, or, or in the story of Balaam. Now why? I, this, this is one of the things we learned, is because God is faithful. God is faithful. In, in, in no way could any army, army overtake Israel. In no way could, could any, including Balaam, come, even a prophet of God, could come and lay a curse against Israel because God is faithful. So here's Balaam's part. He was unable to give a curse. Instead, Balaam, uh, laying down a curse, Balaam did what? He blessed Israel. Time and time again, every time he opened his mouth, instead of curses, there came out blessings for Israel. Again, because God is faithful. So here, here's the problem. Balaam still wanted to be paid. Part, what, what drew Balaam into this whole situation, he was going to make some money and, and pretty wealthy from the kings uh, to lay a curse. That didn't work. So Balaam, when we find out in chapter 31 of Numbers, was the mastermind of what took place in 25. This is what we learned last week. Because of the, the sinfulness that entered the camp, the sexual immorality, and the idolatry entered in because Balaam uh, told Balak about using the back door. When I say back door, it's like this. Hey, don't bring out your armies. Don't bring out your armor your spears, your bows, your chariots, anything you want to attack these people and wipe them out, don't do that. What you do, bring out your pretty women, bring out your young women, adorn them and have them enter into the camp and seduce them, appeal to their appetites. That's what we learned last week. And I, that, that's all tied up to the, the way of Balaam, the teaching of Balaam. And so what happened in, in the Old Testament was they enticed, they lured them, they became involved in sexual immorality. These faithful people of God, supposedly faithful people of God, uh, moved into sexual immorality and idolatry. They fell. And in the story, 24,000 Israelites were wiped out. 
Not the whole, we're, we're talking still a couple million, uh, close to a couple million that entered into the promised land, but 24,000 because of the seduction that came from the Moabites, the Midianites, 24,000, it was very effective. Balaam earned what he, uh, earned his pay, earned his pay. Now here, let, let's look at Pergamum. In Pergamum, there's some among them who were involved in the teaching of Balaam. Let's look at the whole letter. First, there starts with a commendation, right? Uh, Jesus commends them for what? Because it sounds like in the midst of some persecution where one lost his life, Antipas uh, was executed, uh, was put to death. Uh, they were remaining faithful in this, in this city of Pergamum. He said, you have been true to my name. Uh, so in a way, I, I, I would even kind of say that was much like the children of Israel. Man, if you tack us face on, if you attack us, we'll, we'll stay true to Jesus. If you bring on the persecution, we're going we're gonna to stand true to Jesus. But this way of Balaam is backdoor. So, so some in the group were succumbing to some temptation. They were, they were, having, they were, they were being enticed uh, and, and seduced into things of sexual immorality and idolatry. I, I, I do want to point out that it says some among you are doing that. There's some among you that I, I believe as a congregation, I know some of you very well, and I see some folks who are, you know, standing strong and faithful and, and, and pursuing this, this life in Christ. But I, but I have to say, there's, I, I, I know that amongst all of us that come on Sunday morning, there's, there's some of us that are maybe uh, listening to some deceitfulness. There's, there's some among us that are probably listening to some deceitfulness, allowing our, you know, making, uh, allowing our appetites to be, you know, aroused and, and desires, whether it's in that area of greed or sexual immorality or something like that, being led into idolatry. What is idolatry? It, I, I believe the best way to describe it is where your hearts are attentive and distracted elsewhere besides God. Now, idolatry to the, per, to the people in Pergamon, what, what was it? We'll talk about that a little bit later. But it was to a, 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 a group. We can't have, uh, well, actually, I need to be very clear about what Jesus wants out of our lives. And so that's the direction I want to continue to go to. It, it leads to this other lesson that I think is really important for us this morning. And that's number two. We cannot live in harmony with a sinful culture. We cannot live in harmony at peace with a sinful culture. Now, Pergamum, li listen to the phrase. It says that Pergamum is that place where Satan lives. What does that mean? <laughs> uh, where Satan lives, where Satan has his throne. In this city, uh, there was a, a rather large temple to Zeus and, and to a couple of his children, to, to Dionysus, Dionysus, his son, and also Athena, his daughter. And they were worshipped within Pergamum. Also, Asclepius, who was the god of healing, was being worshipped there in Pergamum. It was also an official center for the imperial cult. Now, as part of the worship. So, hey, let's just say it. This city was very religious. 
this city was very religious. They were, they were worshiping. They were conducting themselves in, in, in festivals and in banquets. At the banquets, they were, they were feasting on, on animals that were sacrificed to, to certain gods. And so they had their celebrations. There were also uh, temple prostitutes. The idea of, of being uh, sexually involved with a temple pro, uh, pro, uh, prostitute was that there was blessings that were given as you would conduct yourselves in such a way. And, and these people, these believers, were living within these folks in their neighborhood, within their community, and this was just very prominent within Pergamum. Now, the, uh, the thing is, is that the believers in the church were uh, accepting, matter of fact, kind of, uh, melding into their culture you know how that works accepting of, of the sexual immoralities going on accepting of of the uh, uh, idolatry that was going on it, it, it was just kind of becoming a part of their life as well you know how mixing mixing in with the culture it is, it is really Balaam's deception. I know that we could come and do the same thing. You know, we're tempted and, and during the week, man, be drawn off and, and attracted even to the place where it becomes a part of our focus, which draws us away and helps us to become more of an unfaithful people. But there, there's something today I want to share with you. Uh, maybe you've heard of progressive Christianity. Have you heard the term progressive Christianity? Actually, you know, it's something that people will say is new. It's not new at all. There, there, at one time, this same thing could have been called liberal uh, Christianity. And before that, I, you could walk through scriptures and see where it, it took place. Even in our history, you could look and see where the same kind of things uh, were taking place. Uh, this, this progressive Christianity. Actually, you could look up progressivechristianity.org. And you can look it up and see. They're, they actually have a website. There are eight tenets that I, two of them I want to share with you this morning. Here's what it does. I believe that this, this progressive Christianity is very, very much could be considered. This is Balaam's teaching. This is a direction. It's deceitful and, and it's, it's, it's incorrect. Number two in, in their tenet is, um, oh, I need to bring up the page. Here it is. Number two says, uh, that they affirm that the teachings of Jesus provide but one of many to experience the sacredness and oneness of life. I don't know, do you hear something wrong with that? It goes on to say, and that we can draw from diverse sources of wisdom in our spiritual journey. Let's take it to Pergamum. What would, what would that say to the people in Pergamum? Okay, here's a believer in Christ. Well, I have a neighbor who who really worships Zeus and, and his children and, and, and others around. You know, and I'm going to sit down and discuss, you know, and, and, and is there a possibility, hey, you know, I'm going to take my faith and, and see what's good about worshiping Zeus or, or Athena or, or one of these other gods or, or emperor worship. Let's, let's meld that together. Let's bring that together. All these ideas. There's actually a church... Uh, that, that's existence today. I don't know whether here in, in Junction City, but there's churches that exist that hold on to this pre progressive Christianity. And what it does today is, hey, hey, you know, the Buddhist, there, there's some good, there's some wisdom being expressed by the Buddhist and, and Hinduism. 
And there's value. So, so what we need to do is open our mind and learn more of what's being offered in this world. Matter of fact, God is working through all these, through Islam and, and through all new kinds of thinking. That's, and so we're open. We're open to, to whatever, you, wherever you're coming from to be a part of that. And yes, Jesus' teaching is a part of that. You know what's wrong with that? I'd give you a simple verse, the greatest part that I think is what's wrong with that. John 14, 6. Jesus said something very specific. Listen carefully. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. So what is it? Jesus saying, I am the only way. I am the only truth. I am the only life. How, how is it that we could step forward and say so much about the Scripture, that the Scripture, this, is, uh, this tells us about Jesus, who is the way, the life, the truth. His word is true. It, 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 it lays out exactly what we need to hear and the direction for our life. Matter of fact, number three in their tenets says this. And understand, there's the great part of this, this uh, um, progressive Christianity is, man, they are all about uniting and loving. In that, in that Christianity, it's all about uniting everyone together. All those, and, and to, to come in fellowship and bring us all together. Oh man, that sounds great and wonderful, but here's a problem. Let me read three. They seek a community that is inclusive of all people. Including, but not limited to, conventional Christians. And questioning skeptics. I, I wonder, conventional, ordinary Christians, I guess that would include you and I. We're welcome there. Conventional, yeah. I, and, and let's just say, we're ordinary, but our God is not, right? I, I just want to add that in there. Uh, also included are believers and agnostics. You know, agnostics say, okay, well, God may exist or he might not. You know, there's just that big, agnostics have the big question over their head they, they accept men and women Woo, really stretching it uh, those of all sexual orientations there it is those of all sexual orientations and gender identities those of all classes and abilities I, I want to be clear in this man this the scriptures it, it absolutely says all are welcome it, 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 it says everyone, this, this is available to everyone. There is, it, it is not, it, it's for everyone. God has sent his son for everyone. But here's the difference. Here's absolutely the difference. The, the scriptures, when we accept, the way we ought to look at the scriptures is that this, this defines who I am. This defines who I am. I, hey, I am a creation of God. And not only that, I, I know who I am in my sinfulness. He has also supplied to me through his mercy and grace a Savior. Therefore, I am a child of God. This defines who I am. And, and the way teaching of Balaam, absolute teaching of Balaam is to say, okay, you come along and, and with whatever my life is bringing, whatever is producing my life, and, and I begin to define this. You see the difference? People want to come and define, hey, I want to bring my pronouns. Hey, before you uh, introduce yourself to this, what's your pronouns? Tell me what your pronouns are. And, and then, okay, approach, no, good grief. 
uh, are, you, are you a man or woman? Hey, decide what gender you are before you approach the scriptures. No. I, I want you to understand that the scriptures we have are so powerful. It is, it is a message from God. The one who created us. The one who designed us. The one who put us together. And in our brokenness, he has provided for us. He has made us. And I think that's the reason why we come together and worship. Is because we want to, to be clear that, that he is our God. And, and again, just as, as the children of Israel knew, he is faithful. He keeps his promises. And guess what he wants us to do? He wants us to be faithful. <laughs> he wants us to be faithful. And, and that road's not easy. I, matter of fact, let me, let me move on to, to, the, to the next point, which I am absolutely changing, okay? Can I do that since I created this in the first place? It was poor. Uh, what, what I originally said, sin must be called sin. And that's, that's not the point. That's not the point I want to make. Here, write this down. I didn't even put it, so it's going to be up here. But listen carefully. I'll repeat it a couple times. If you're going to claim Jesus, if, you, you know, if you're going to claim him as Jesus, if you're, going to, if you're going to claim him as Lord, and if you're going to claim him as Savior, then you must live for him. Then you must follow after him. If you're going to claim Jesus, live for him. If you're going to claim Jesus, follow him. Yeah, every day. You know, Jesus didn't die so you could occupy a pew on Sunday. You hear that? He, he, he died in order that he could occupy that space within your heart. That he could be, he could be the one and only that you're focused your attention upon. That he changes your world, doesn't he? Isn't that right? He changes your world. And so it does fit in when I come along and I say, listen, sin must be called sin. You need to identify it. You see those areas where I have those appetites and it appeals to, to greed and self-centeredness and it appeals to my lust. Guess what? I'm going to learn how to fight against those things. I'm going I'm to be aware of that back door. Because there's back doors to my life and I, there's things that, hey, there's things I need to identify. Hey, I don't want to be a part of. I don't need to be watching certain shows or, or actually have certain apps on my phone. And so I'm going to be careful that way. We talked a little bit about that last week. And each one of us, we might not have the same kind of temptations coming over us, but all of us are trying to be drawn away because Satan's busy. He's a liar and he's a deceiver and he wants, to, he, he wants to see you live unfaithfully before God. He wants you to fall, just like Israel, just like Israel was being tempted. That's, that's who, who we are. Listen, we are to follow after him, learn to walk in his ways. Hey, more than anything, this congregation, I think we built this, this is our reputation, is that we are people who want to know his word. That's why we're talking about Ruth. What's the significance of Ruth in the scripture? That's why we're talking about Balaam, because, boy, we can learn things from him. We can learn things from this, this prophet who was against Israel. Oh, man, and we can learn about uh, those gospels where it tells us about Jesus and what he had to say. Oh, for us to dive into the scriptures. That's, I, I believe that's very much, if we're not diving into the scriptures, I have to ask you, are you really following after Jesus? If you're, you know, I don't, I don't know how much of a reader are you. 
whether you take a chapter a day or maybe a three or four verses in a day, whatever, we need to be taking in his scriptures and following after him and not messing around. Not, well, that's not what we're here for. In the scriptures, it lays out this threat. I want, to, I want you to notice this as well. In, 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 to Israel, uh, when, when the, the men of Israel were seduced and they were brought in sexual immorality and idolatry, uh, God told Moses, Moses, get those judges together, get your swords, and go out and execute the leaders. Go out and execute those leaders. And, and, and then there was also a plague. So that's how those 24,000 were, uh, were, were, had, had died. But in this passage, it says that Jesus is going to come. He's going to come, and he's going to attack you, or he's going to... Uh, well, here, I'll just read the passage. I get carried away and, and leave the passage. Let's, let's see what it says. Let them hear. Um, oh, let me see. Call out the verse if you see it, and I don't. <laughs> this is terrible. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. It's verse 16. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So there's no, there's no judges, there's no army that's coming after you. It says that Jesus is coming, and, and he is going to address the sinfulness. So is there, that, that's a pretty good warning. God's purpose for sending Jesus is, is to make for himself a faithful people. He, 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 he's creating through Jesus, through his blood, a people for himself. Isn't that who we are? Isn't that our identity through Christ? I belong to God through Christ. I belong to him. I am his. And, and therefore, you know, to live a life and not to be wrapped up in the, the lies of Balaam is something that we need to know and embrace. There is a reward. At the end, it says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. Now, if manna we know is, is that bread, that provision from God. God's going to provide, I think, through that hidden manna, who, what, what all that is. But there is that place where we trust God and what he says. He's going to provide for us. Also, that white stone is, is kind of like the reward for those who are involved in the games. They would receive a white stone. In, in a way, it's a reward. Or it's for the one who is victorious. We see that over and over again through the book of Re Revelation. Thinking about those who are victorious over the things of this world. Uh, the race, you know, we, we think about, well, what are we victorious over? Because we continue in this flesh, living in this life, and, and dealing with the temptations and the frustrations and things like that. The victory we have is in Jesus. Absolutely, the victory we have is in Jesus Christ. And, and, and through him, we're able to overcome. Yeah. He's given us, you know, another place in Second Peter, he says, he's given us everything we need. He's given us his scriptures. He's given us his spirit. He's given us the church because we do this together. We overcome together through Jesus Christ. I want to I bring up one more character before our summer series is done. In the book of Joshua, Joshua is actually 
man, he would he'd be a great one to turn to next. Uh, especially after dealing with this false prophet or this prophet of God who, who, who just was, did not have a heart for God's people. That's, I think that's the best way to explain who Balaam is. But Joshua, jo- who is Joshua? Joshua is one of those that, that led Israel, especially when Moses uh, wasn't able to enter into the promised land. It was Joshua that led them uh, through God into the promised land, who, who was that conqueror, who was that uh, went in to, to uh, lead God's people. In chapter 24, after Joshua had done a lot of that, led them, Joshua in chapter 24 speaks on God's behalf. In there, God reviews all that he's done for him. Here's, here's, who, here's what I've done for you. I brought you out of Egypt. You know, uh, I, I saved you from, from Pharaoh's army. And, and he goes through all those details, even up to verse, uh, verse 9, where he brings up uh, Balaam. In verse 9, he says, When Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel, he sent for Balaam, son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I would not listen to Balaam. So he blessed you again and again, and I delivered you out of his hand. So there's, you know, God's reminding him, hey, even when Balaam came to, to curse you, I didn't allow it. God's protected him all, you know, ever, ever since, you know, clear, and even farther back, even beyond the Euphrates, it mentions here in these verses. Let me read for you the powerful statement that he makes in verse 14. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. If there's one sentence that we're challenged with today and reminded of today, it's that sentence right there. Now fear the Lord and serve him with faithfulness. That's the challenge. He goes on to say, throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Do you hear the challenge? If, if, if you're, a, I don't know, God on Sunday and, and you know, kind of a, a, whatever my my stomach or whatever my appetites are, are being drawn to the rest of the week, you know. He, he's saying, hey, choose who you're going to serve. Are you going to serve the appetites? Are you going to serve your desires? You're going to fall into all the temptations all the time. Choose who you're going to serve. He goes on, whether the gods, uh, gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land... Uh, you are living. And then Joshua made this great claim. You know it, don't you? Many of you know this last phrase. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Words in the Old Testament that, that ought to be coming out of our mouths. And, and we have a greater reason. I believe we have a greater reason for, for, serving, uh, for serving the God who's loved us in such a great way. Something that we don't deserve, right? He sent his son to die for us, to bear the load of our sin and shame, that, 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 that uh, condemning sin he bore upon the cross for you and I. That's the message. That's the gospel message. And, and, and so he asked, he asked each one of you, think about it. Who are you going to serve? 
Who are you going to serve in this world where I believe Balaam continues his deceptive ways? Looking in the back door, he knows yours. He knows where your temptation. Tell me, are you, are you standing strong in those temptations? Are you standing faithful before God in that life? In, 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 in that, that perspective of, and I am looking to be honoring of the God who sent his son to die for me. Is that where we are? Man, that's the question I want to leave with you today. You know, choose you today who you're going to serve. Choose today. Man, if you've been choosing and choosing well, I mean, part of the, the commendation is there from Jesus over the churches. Keep it up. Keep it up. But if you've been dabbling and, and enticed and, and allowing that back door to be open, then, then, hey, choose you this day. You know, and, and the, the, the response, men, hey, I'm going to say it to you. Men, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Ladies, as for me and my house, we're going to, and it does say we are going to serve the Lord. It's a decision, a call for each of us to make that, that important decision on God's behalf. Is that the decision you have made? All right. All right. Let's, let's pray. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I praise you for your word. I praise you for even the story of Balaam. It, it is amazing to me that the, the, the many who have made it into your word, those who are good and righteous, Lord, that we could pattern our lives after, and those that, Lord, we learn from, like Balaam. Lord, just to see the deceptive ways of Satan that's working in this world, it's around us, Lord. Even, even the, the church is being brought into a place where everything's accepted. Lord, your word is just falling in amongst other teaching. And, and, and Lord, we pray that, that we, we're elevating it. We're saying we're living according to that truth. Father, I, I do believe that there's days of testing. It, we're right amongst them with, with all the things that's coming up. Father, I pray that, that we're standing strong. We're securing the back door and, and also standing faithful to your name. God, we are absolutely in need of such a Savior as Jesus. And we praise you for him coming and dying on our behalf. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.